Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, our new theme for the month. We had two choices. We were going to call it, either going to call it the Twilight Zone, or for those of you that may be in the new generation, Stranger Things. So we're calling it Stranger Things, because there's never been a stranger time than this, right? This is a strange time. So today, we're going to begin something brand new, and I'm really excited about this new series. Um, I've been preparing the last couple of weeks on it, and the Lord is just sharing some things very clearly, and I give Him all the praise. Today, as we begin, we're going to start with the end, the end of the Old Testament. I shared a few weeks ago, the end of February, but it came to a new way at this time In the move of God, as he describes at the very end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, the Bible talks about God will come suddenly. And it says in verse 2, But to you who fear my name, to you who have reverential awe, are worshipers and respect God and who he is. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Boy, we need that promise. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. One translation says, you shall go out leaping like calves released from the stall. Like the horses at the Kentucky Derby, if there was going to be one this year, where they open that thing, they run and break from the gate. The Bible says that's how we're going to be. And verse 3 says, you shall trample the wicked, for they shall become ashes under the soles of your feet. On that day that I do this, says the Lord. Verse four, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel without statutes and judgments. Behold, verse five, here we go. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The easy read version says this, Elijah will help the parents become close to their children, and he will help the children to become close to their parents. This must happen, or I will come and completely destroy your country. Wow. Wow. God, let your word come forth now as you gave it to me in power in Jesus' name. Crazy times, huh? This month we're going to talk about the life and times, pardon me, of Elijah the prophet. Life lessons from the life of Elijah and why we need to know that and study it today because it reads like today's paper. It reads like, sorry, newspaper, some we used to get delivered. Anyway, no, I won't do that. So who is this man, Elijah? What was God saying about sending us Elijah before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord? We look at sometimes here famous last words. Meaning, um, if you want to know what somebody values, what they think about, look at what they said on their deathbed, or look at what they said as their last words to say, look, here's my lifetime. I think I'm going to go to heaven now. Let me tell you what's on my heart. Paul, Paul the Apostle, I fought the good fight. I finished my race. I kept the faith. God's last words for the Old Testament period of history, 
was Malachi. And Malachi chapter 4, and right down to verse 6. The last word of the Old Testament was the word curse. And the last thought is this. Just as I had the law with Moses and the prophets with Elijah, I will send you Elijah into this next season of your life. And then God was quiet for 400 years of history. It's one of the, one of the only times in history where we see that God didn't speak. He didn't prophesy. He didn't have prophetic voices. And, and God was silent all the way until the coming of Jesus. And before Jesus, John the Baptist would come like Elijah. And we'll talk about it in a moment. The last thing God said for 400 years, I believe that Jesus' first coming is what's talked about there as the great day of the Lord. It was the great day of the Lord. Jesus coming, our suffering Savior, our burden bearer, our perfect Lamb of God, the only sacrifice for our sin. But Jesus' second coming, the Bible calls it the terrible day, the dreadful day. Why? Not for us, by the way. Not for those of us who respect Him, those of us who are in awe of Him, those of us who worship Him, those of us who have relationship with Him, but for others. Because the second coming of Jesus and I'm not preaching gloom and doom here, and I'm not the big, I'm not like waiting for the rapture bus, okay? Don't, please don't. When are we talking about prophetic things here, we're not talking about gloom and doom or that kind of thing. But listen, we're getting closer to the coming, the second coming of Jesus. You can see that. Now, whether that's 100 years from now or a year from now or whatever, we don't know. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows the times and seasons. We just know that we know that he's coming. He said, I will be back. I'll be back. Now that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, Jesus said, I'm coming back and I'm gonna come back in victory for you. You know, it's funny. I was doing a Zoom meeting today uh, earlier and I was speaking to pastors in um, Poland and Eastern Europe where I was a few weeks ago. And when I was looking at my reflection in my iPad to do this Zoom meeting uh, the uh, Pastor Zibi, my friend from Poland said, he said, so tell me about Now Church. I see you're wearing a Now Church shirt. You're about to have these anniversaries and things. I said, yeah, we're still celebrating. And I looked into my iPad and the reflection, I saw that now spelled backwards is W-O-N, one, like we won, like we won. My friends, we win when we're trusting in God. But others, Jesus comes back the second time as a judge to judge the sin of the lost. John the Baptist, when, when, when the prophetic word comes to his parents by an angel and says to his older parents who happen to be, uh, Elizabeth was Mary, Jesus' mother, the, her cousin. And she was a, a generation older and <clears throat> she was really hoping to have a child. And, she gets a shot at, the angel comes and says this in Luke 1, 17. He, meaning John the Baptist, will also go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Say spirit, say power. In the spirit and power of Elijah. God didn't send Elijah back literally except at the Mount of Transfiguration, by the way, when Jesus goes and takes Peter, James, and John to the mountaintop and Moses and Elijah physically come and manifest themselves to Jesus in front of Peter, James, and John. And the cool thing that is, it was a fulfillment. 
Moses, Malachi 4, is the law, and Elijah is the prophets. The fullness of the Old Testament culminates in Jesus Christ. All those things were shadows, and Jesus becomes the substance. And the Bible says he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, listen, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Here it is, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John the Baptist had a very specific prophetic call like Elijah. He was a forerunner. He was called to be a forerunner to do this, to go before Jesus in the great day of the Lord and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I believe that's our call. I believe we're the ones that, that God's not just raising up a person or a prophet. He's raising up a prophetic people, and that's us. And our job is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I was thinking about it today as I was preparing to come into church. Does anybody else almost wish or miss the days when our biggest problem was whether our romaine lettuce was tainted or not? Does anybody else just take a minute and go, wow, those good old days when all we had to worry about was romaine? But the Bible says that the shaking goes on so that that which will romaine will romaine. Anyway, I, I gotta at least make sure you're paying attention. When you see God show up in Bible, in the Bible times or in, in world history, <clears throat> when he shows up in nationwide or worldwide situations, it's almost always about the condition of the people of God, not the condition of the world. It's almost always about how are the people of God doing in, in ruling and reigning, in, in, in influencing, in being who they're called to be. Because if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing. And so sometimes the flavor is lost and God says, okay, the enemy has come in like a flood, and, but I'm gonna turn this thing. God doesn't kill people. God is not a killer of people. This virus is not of God, but God will allow this time to become your wake up call and mine to hear from him. It's almost always about the condition of the people. How are God's people doing? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The turning, the turning is the word repentance. The turning. God sends prophets and prophetic churches and people to say to the earth, may I have your attention, please? Hello, earth, it's me. I need your attention. I'm trying to get your attention. Okay, let's take away all the stuff you usually turn to, all the stuff you usually do to try to soothe yourself and all your problems. You vitalize sports, music, news, politics, whatever it is. We've been so connected to our devices in negative ways the last few years. And God says, is it possible we become lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God? That we no longer have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. We've got to repent. We've got to turn around. The life of Elijah, we'll talk about the next few weeks, but the life of Elijah reminds us, and we say it here all the time, the world is almost always loud. 
But God speaks in a still small voice to Elijah and to us. Remember the commercial? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? How about now? How about now? Can you hear me now? I believe God is saying that to us right now. Hey, church, can you hear me now? It's not about the repentance of all the weak and all the sinners and all the lost. That will come. But the church has to become glorious first. In just a couple moments, I'll be back to kind of talk about the culmination of this, this message. But right now, we're so excited to have some more of the great people of Now Church to kind of share some stuff with you and to give you a greeting. So, Seavers, talk to us. Seavers, your Gainesville peeps. I want to tell you, we miss you guys and we love you. Um, we're doing good. Everybody's healthy and safe. Natasha is working at the hospital and they are doing great and she's taking the wisdom and the peace of God with her every time she goes to work. I uh, haven't been able to teach at Santa Fe recently with all the precautions and all, but God is still providing through some work remotely and it reminds me that seven years ago when she was in nursing school, um, I had lost my job because my company got bought out by a bigger company. So there was, if God provided for all six of us back then when nothing was coming in, he would definitely provide now that things are a little restricted. So keep in mind that he is with you. Even when things get tough, he is there and he is faithful. What the Lord is really pressing on my heart during this time of quarantine is rest. We, as a big family, have a lot of things to do. There are times when there is literally no one at this house all day, or there's one of us at this house all day. Um, there's a lot of running around, running around. there's a lot of uh, obligations that we have, and that doesn't leave a lot of time for God. So through this time, we have a lot more time for God. A lot of us still work our jobs, but we don't have extra stuff to do. So the Lord has really been able to speak to me through books and just having quiet time with Him. So take this time to really just sit and allow God to speak to you, whether it's about dreams that you had that you've given up on, or whether it's about things like honing your skills. I've really been able to do that over um, this break and over this time just being at home and reconnecting with people, whether you're connecting with your friends or extended family. There's other ways to get with people. There's other ways to help people. And there's other ways that we can still uh, be productive. So um, my encouragement and um, what God's been speaking to me for this past few weeks, he's kind of told me about um, the kind of truth and um, and lots of um, information that's get gotten out in times of crisis like this. And so just like what PL said during um, Truish and how um, using the word of God in the specific Bible is the 110%. And so um, during times like this, you should, um, and how you're like in quarantine and you should spend time getting in the book and finding the verses that you need to be successful in your life and um, work things um, work things through when it's hard. So, um, like, keep reading your Bible, um, keep getting the Word, and keep um, learning about what God specifically says to you. All right, and to sum everything up, uh, just a few verses from, for you guys out of um, Romans 12 in the message. It says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Amen.
Man, I miss those guys. I miss, we, we miss you. I want you to know we really miss you. The presence of God is here. But boy, do we miss you and we're excited about our car rally for next week. And listen, maybe you just now joined us. If you haven't got a chance to give yet, right now, that giving information uh, is available to you online. You can give the old fashioned way. We just appreciate people being intentional about that. It's such a blessing and you've been so faithful and we're praying for everybody whose job may be shaky right now during the month of April. This too shall pass. We're believing that you're gonna be okay, we're gonna be okay, and we're gonna move forward, and God is gonna do wonders among us. Wasn't it great to hear from Norman the Third, Norman the Fourth, Norman the Fifth, all of those guys right there, and all the Normans. We appreciate them. In fact, Norman, man, Norman the Third is emphatic, man, I love that, very cool. I wanna give you the final few thoughts here uh, this moment reminds me of three lessons from the life of Elijah that we need. This prophetic moment is really strong in my spirit. And um, uh, it's interesting because Norman, the, little Norman uh, really tapped it a little bit. Number one, there are three P words. If you want to write these down, I hope you're writing down some, some notes, even though you're not here, because this stuff will sustain you during the week. Don't just be a person who has heard. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, by the word of God, okay? Number one, three lessons in life of Elijah we need for today. Number one, preparation. As soon as Elijah prophesied about the national drought and famine, by the way, it was because of the condition of God's people. Ahab and Jezebel began to rule, and suddenly there was this time in the nation where people's hearts were turned from God. People were, their faith was dashed, people were upset, they were being led in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that people's just hearts, they just grew cold. And they, it was all about idolatry. That was the issue of Ahab and, and Jezebel. It was, about, it was about worshiping idols. And I think we can compare that a lot to today about idols in the land. Um, as soon as Elijah prophesied in 1 Kings chapter 17, you can read it. I'm not gonna read all of it to you but I'll just point out to a couple of parts of Elijah's life. As soon as he prophesied over the national drought and famine because of the condition of the people of God, the Lord pulled him away immediately from his everyday life and called him to go to a brook called Cherith. In fact, the Bible says God told him, he turned him eastward and said, go to Cherith and there I'll sustain you. And so he goes to this place called Cherith and I'm looking, I'm studying and I'm going, oh my gosh, the word cherith, listen to this. In Hebrew, the word cherith means a cutting away or separation. A cutting away or separation from your normal life, Elijah. This was preparation time. Elijah thought when he made the announcement, it shall not rain for three and a half years. Okay, I'm in it now. And God said, no, no, you just announced it. I need you to go restore and refresh and rest. I need you to begin to refresh yourself and refresh your soul in this moment. I'm gonna sustain you. I'm gonna take care of this stuff. I'm gonna take care of where you're at and what you're going through. But you gotta come away to a place called cutting away and separation. The Lord literally called Elijah away to time with God. And I believe that's what this time is about as well. The word of the Lord was only the first small step in a series of big steps that Elijah didn't fully comprehend. Now, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening now. Even though we're a prophetic people who believes that God will speak to us and show us things to come, 
Show us things before they happen and prepare us. He prepared us in some ways, but we didn't know this was gonna happen. We didn't know to the extent, we don't know how long, but we know that God is God. He's real, his power is real, and his presence is with you right where you are because there's no time and space. There's no distance in prayer. Elijah didn't fully comprehend when he said, go to the east. But, it, but in that scripture, the Bible says, go to the place where the brook Cherith flows to the Jordan. It's about finding a new flow, Elijah. It's about, it's about everything you've been doing to prepare for this moment is now prepared. You're now preparing for the next moment and you don't realize it. You think you're tired now, Elijah? Let me tell you something, you better go rest. You better go rest, you better go to where God says, you better get your food and your drink from the, from the brook of where God says, the brook of cutting away or separation. Go to the east, the new day, and find a new flow. Everybody say, find a new flow. That's what this time is about, get your feet. And just as Norman the Fourth said, use this time wisely. That's the word of the Lord, Mr. Seavers. That's the word of the Lord. Learn how to rest in a new way. The spirit of Elijah is an anointing from heaven that turns hearts, turns hearts, listen, turns hearts, turns, changes direction of hearts, turns them, reshapes them. I know uh, Pastor Lindsay's word for this year, I think was recalibrate, recalibrate. That's exactly what's happening right now, that there's a recalibration, a, a pointing of a heart in a new direction that points the hearts of fathers and mothers towards loving relationship with their children. Not just being in the same home at the same time, but being present, being connected with their kids, getting to know each other again, playing board games again, get talking again, getting to know each other again in brand new ways. And their children being turned in their hearts to be with their parents. There's so many people who grow up and say, you know, I never really knew my father or mother. And I don't mean just people that didn't have parents. I'm not talking about just physically like DNA. I'm talking about there are a lot of people who grew up with good parents who worked hard and, and took them to church and, and did all that they were doing, and, but they didn't teach them and they didn't really tell them their values. And once those kids got to become teenagers or, or adults, a lot of parents just shut down in past generations and didn't know how to say, here's who I am and here's why I am. So many people who grew up and never knew their parents, not just their identity, but who they were, how they thought, and how they felt, and how they struggled in things, and what their vision and their purpose was. Can we get families right now? This is really important, I believe, in the Spirit of God. Get families again talking with each other and listening to each other. Let's put questions on the table at dinner time. That's what we've been doing with our kids and grandkids that we've been able to spend a little bit of time with here and there, because we're all staying quarantined and we get together. Thank God, I know some of you in, the, in, in, in vulnerable areas are having trouble even just getting to see people that, you know, your people that live out of town. My own parents, I've just seen them through FaceTime right now. But let's get to know each other again, even if it's for the first time. As you're getting to know the heart of God, get to know the heart of each other. Number two, so the first thing I believe God is saying is this is a time and season of preparation because big things are coming. You, you wonder what's going on. I don't know what's coming per se. You don't know, but here's this. We better be resting when it's rest time because when it's active time again, that means we're gonna hit the ground running 
That was part of Elijah's later. Remember, Elijah later had to outrun the chariot of Ahab and had to go in the strength of a meal for 40 days and nights in his quest to find the next season of God. Understand, you and I have to take these moments that are given to us and appreciate and value them. The second P word is the word provision. This is a time of provision, seeing God's provision in a brand new way. These kinds of moments will, if you handle them right and you use them as teachable moments for your kids and you pray together and you see God provide even the little things and you start writing them down or calling them to the attention of your family, this will shape your kid's future. My son, our son is about to be 40 later this year. That's kind of freaking me out. Our daughter, about to have another baby in a few months. So thankful for new life coming, even in this season. And we're holding to those promises of celebration. But here's what it means to me. Both of our kids walked through us when they were little in some of those, we call it our faith walk time, our faith test. Lasted really the better part of about three years for us, off and on. They weren't all the same moment but different things preparing us to be your pastors. And our kids remember those moments and said during this time recently, wow, we're so glad we learned those lessons we're teaching our kids, even while they're young, that God is faithful. Provision. God sustained Elijah at the place of cutting away or separation. How did he do it? Supernaturally. He caused ravens. You know what ravens are? That's not just a football team from Baltimore. Sorry, I digress back to sports. He caused ravens, ravenous carnivorous birds to go against their own carnivorous nature and bring Elijah, listen, read in the scripture for yourself, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse six, they brought Elijah meat every morning and every evening. They brought him food, special, listen, before Chipotle delivered, before DoorDash, expanded the territory of your favorite restaurants to get takeout or delivery. Before all this happened, thousands of years ago, God had the first supernatural, this was better than FedEx because this was air mailed in with birds. Every morning, every evening, the prophet of God had a good meal. He got meat. I don't know about you, but I'm a meat guy. I'm so thankful for my wife being a great cook in times of quarantine. Amen. I heard somebody say amen. Anyway, When the season or chapter was over, God made it clear, even though he had this provision, when God was gonna move him on from that season, and he did, this too shall pass, the brook dried up. That means where he was getting his fresh uh, Zephyr Hill spring water. Oh, let me have a drink. Made his Zephyr Hill spring water. When it was time to move, the brook dried up, and he said, God, what do I do now? God said, I'm glad you asked me. And God speaks to him and says, And the Bible says this, the brook dried up and the word of the Lord came again to Elijah and said, arise, that's my word for the year, arise, get up and move. Go to Zarephath and listen to this, God says, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you, to provide for you. Uh, And I'm sure, as I've said many times here, I'm sure he was going like, oh, that's awesome. A rich widow is gonna take care of me. The problem is he gets there and finds out that the widow woman is about to make her last meal because she's run out of food. Now listen to this. I, I, hope, I hope you have ears to hear today. If you have ears to hear today, what the Spirit of God is saying, you might, you, you're gonna get this. 
When God said, arise, go to Zarephath. Guess what Zarephath means? We heard about Cherith, a cutting away, separation. Guess what Zarephath means? Listen, I can't make this stuff up. A refinery, a place for melting and purifying metals, a place where silver becomes purified in the fire, a place where gold gets all the dross scraped off, a purification. He says, I'm gonna keep providing for you, but now you gotta get up and go to the purification. You gotta go to the refinery. Oh man, I wish I could hear your reaction in your home. I hope somebody's getting this. The promise, I've commanded the widow to provide for you. Now listen to this, I about this earlier. When God says, I commanded the widow woman, when, when Elijah meets the widow, she's already been commanded, but she doesn't, say, she doesn't tell him. In fact, she says, I don't have anything. And she probably knows this is the guy that God sent. He had to ask her for the offering. He had to ask her to give. He had to actually kind of command her to release. And here's what I've heard a lot of people saying about this time so far. God is releasing all that's inside of you. He's already commanded stuff. He's already spoken to stuff. He's already placed stuff in you. But now he's commanding it to be released, to get beyond your benefit, to help somebody else and to build the kingdom of God. Can I say this to you? You're gonna have enough and more than enough in this season if you'll just put God first. The prophet said, make me a cake first from your, little, from your last bit of flour and your last bit of oil. Make me a cake first. Elijah liked cake. Later on, he eats cake that he runs in. He eats angel food cake later, and he runs into the power of and strength of for 40 days and nights. This guy begins his, his, his ministry with cake, and he finishes with cake. I like this guy. You'll have enough and more enough if you put God first. Trust him with your cake, even if it's your last cake. Trust him with your toilet paper, even if it's your last sheet. You know, believe God, trust God. Cast your bread upon the water that may return to you after many days. Finally, number three, the third P word is the word purification. Purification, that's what the refinery does. It's the purification time. God is purifying his bride. This is what the Lord spoke to my heart earlier. God is purifying his bride with essential oils, a fresh anointing. Because Ephesians says that Jesus is preparing a bride without spot or wrinkle, a glorious bride, a beautiful bride ready for her wedding day, for her reconciliation with the groom, for the coming of the Lord. The purification begins in Zarephath, in Elijah. But in the next season, we're talking about more of the life of Elijah next week, don't miss it. And don't miss Wednesday night as we share with you and have church with you again this Wednesday night at 7.30 on Facebook Live and all the social media sites. The purification begins in Elijah and then he challenges Ahab and Jezebel. Listen to this. And he brings all the people of God together that he can get together. The separation is about over. And in verse 21 of 1 Kings 18, Elijah came to all the people. Everybody say, all the people. All the people. And he said, how long will you falter, waver, be shaky between two opinions? If the Lord is God, 
then follow him. If Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him not a word. My friends, I want to say to you, the purification is this question. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to falter? Listen, is Jesus kind of your weekend hobby? Is this something you do once in a while? Is this something, is this, is this just become a little faith stop off while you do all your deal on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday? If so, how's that working for you right now? Because there's not much left. Jesus doesn't, he will not be the hobby because he's holy. He will not be your hobby horse. He will not be the hobby. He will not be a side road, a side thing, something that you're just gonna just, well, okay, I'll give, God, I'll give God what my leftover time is. No, the world should get your leftover time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things you need will be added unto you. Seek God, seek his ways, seek his face continually. My friends, I'll close with this. Let God have his way. The reason why this isn't over yet is because God's not done yet. Let God have his way. The reason why this isn't over yet is because God's not done yet. Let me say it again. The reason why this isn't over yet is because God's not done with you, with me, with us, with the body of Christ worldwide yet. When we yield and submit, we will see the victory. Invite the Holy Spirit to do a deeper work. Let him do something deep in your heart. Invite him to do it in your family. Because my friends, if you thought this was gonna be a one or two week thing, and then everything goes back to normal, I told you a couple weeks ago, I feel like we can't afford to go back to the old normal. We have to find our flow in the new normal. Let God have, have his way. Is God your first love? Is Jesus still your first love? Is he your passion? What's the most important thing to you during this time? I wanna invite you to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I wanna invite you to surrender your heart. I want you to, I wanna invite you to have ears to hear and say, God, I know I'm in a, a place of separation, a place of cutting away of my flesh and I'm uncomfortable here. God will provide for you in the midst of it because he's preparing you for something and some things. You're gonna, not just one thing, but he's preparing all of us for the next season of world history beyond this. There is something beyond coronavirus. There's something beyond COVID-19. And it's Jesus 2020 and the roaring 20s awaits and the best is still yet to come. But you gotta keep the faith. Press in. Hear the heart of God. At one point, when Elijah was having his own pity party in his life, later on, years later, we'll talk about it next week. God says, go to the cleft of the rock. Go to that place in the cleft of the rock. And the Bible says the, the, the earth moved with an earthquake and the fire came, the earth shook. If you've been here long enough, you know I call that earth, wind, and fire. And in that time, the Bible says God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But Elijah started hearing this still, small voice. And he wrapped his head in his mantle, his coat, 
that mantle would become very strategic. Talk about it at the end of the month. That mantle would become very powerful. He wrapped his head in that mantle and said, I, God, I, I can't listen to all this other stuff. I was looking for God and all the flashy stuff. No. And he heard the Spirit of God speaking in a still, small voice. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Intimacy, I call intimacy in my life with my wife of the last 40 years, I call it, some of our best times have been what I call pillow talk. No shouting in pillow talk, there's whispers. Sweet caresses, whispers of love and confidence. Let's repent for all of the things we've done to push God away, to push him back and hold him down. Pray with me right now. Jesus, come into my life in a brand new way. Lord, forgive me for all those areas of my life that I've let become bigger and brighter than you. You're the brightest thing in my life. Help me to see you and to hear your voice and to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.